This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Michael and Megan's newest book, Win at Work and Succeed at Life. Enjoy Michael and Megan exploring what it takes to achieve the double win while they recount stories that bring joy and some stories that sting, all while laying out how you can win at work and succeed at life. Pre-order your copy today at winandsucceedbook.com. That's winandsucceedbook.com. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt-Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. And today we're talking about what to do when you feel like you're coasting at work. And to do that, we're actually going to address a real situation with Caitlin A. You know, we're not going to give her her real last name, but a longtime listener to Lead to Win. She wrote us recently. What did she say, Megan? Okay, so here's what she said. Hi, Michael and Megan. I have a career growth question for the two of you. I haven't seen it addressed in your work over the years, but I apologize if I missed something major along these lines. The summary question is, is it okay to coast in one area in order to focus on another? The story behind the question. My career aligns well with my passion and proficiency. I'm on a team with people I like and trust. We've worked together for almost four years, and I've grown quite a bit during that time. I've been given quite a bit of flexibility in my role. Over the last year, I was able to move my family to a new area in our state so my husband could pursue some opportunities in his career. And I got a promotion. On paper and on most days, life is fantastic. So why am I writing? I feel like I'm coasting at work. Maybe this is too easy. There's a nagging feeling that I could be doing more or pursuing something different. I'm only 35 and I wonder if I'm just being lazy. Should I seek more challenges or start focusing on areas outside of work? My laser focus on my career has helped me get to such a great spot, but I'm aware the life is multifaceted like a diamond. However, I am not. When I think of how I want my legacy to be, I want more wonder and whimsy, impact and long conversations about where God is working, adventures with my kids and more romance with my husband. I'd like to open a wine bar with friends, finally finish that, who done it, live a fuller, richer life. So she's an Enneagram three and with a four wing, an elder millennial for context. And she says, I struggle with defining success for myself versus external titles. By my own definition, I've made it and it might be time to dream bigger. Shifting the focus from my career to the rest of my life seems like the smart thing to do, but it's something I struggle with. Help. All right, Caitlin, thanks for the question. It's a great one. Before we jump in and start talking about the question that you have for us, I just want to take a minute and celebrate you. I mean, oh my gosh, you're 35. You've accomplished all these things in your career. You're at a place where you feel like you have passion, you have proficiency in your work. It's meaningful. You're positively impacting the people that you're serving, both on your team and outside. Those are amazing things. And those are not to be dismissed or taken lightly. Um, Those are things that people work their whole life to accomplish. And you've already done that at a really early point in your career. So I just want to take a minute and celebrate you to, you know, clap for you and cheer you on as someone who has um, done all kinds of things, I'm sure, to make that possible in your life. So whatever else we're going to talk about before we get into that, there's just a lot to commend you for. Okay, so I think we should, you know, kind of circle back home here and look in the mirror and ask ourselves the question, have we ever experienced that? Have you ever experienced this in your career, Megan? Well, <laughs> but be honest, it's okay I, if you I haven't. I don't know that I have. And here's why. I feel like that I have um, been involved in 
high growth contexts for most of my career. And I mean, I cannot think of the last time I was bored because our business, certainly at Michael Hyde and Company, is growing so fast that, you know, every day has new challenges. I mean, I, I don't think I would use the word coasting. So not that I can remember. Okay. So, you know, maybe I'm unusual, uh, but I can definitely relate to Caitlin because over the course of my career, I feel like I have about a three-year attention span. Sure, sure. And then I start getting bored. Right. So I'll give you a good case in point. I mean, this this is not too far in my distant past, like two months ago. Like at the fourth quarter of this last year, I was kind of bored. Mm-hmm. I felt like I wasn't growing. And the worst thing about it was I wasn't motivated to grow. And yeah. I don't know if it's just I felt like I needed some space or if it was the combined, you know, stress from the pandemic or whatever. But I just found myself, I, I to be honest, kind of almost borderline depressed. When you were talking, I was, that's kind of like the word that popped into my head. And it made me wonder a little bit. I think coasting is an interesting word that Caitlin has chosen here. And that may be the best description for her situation. But I think first of all, identifying whether you're coasting or whether you're exhausted You know, because if the symptom is you're not really growing that much, you don't really feel that motivated to grow, there's not really, um, you know, these kind of big quantum leaps in your leadership, it's possible that it's not about a lack of challenge, it's about too much challenge or too many things all at once that are happening, which I think certainly a lot of people experienced in 2020 and then kind of in the aftermath of 2020. So Again, that may not, Caitlin, be your particular situation, but as I'm listening to you talk, Dad, I'm like, I mean, I know what 2020 was like, you know, and uh, kind of some of the challenges we faced in our business and like everybody else, you know, it was a lot of hand-to-hand combat. There was a lot of pivoting and reinventing and constant creativity and all the things, not to mention the kind of psychic stress of the environment and all the anxiety that that produced. So I think that's a fair thing to just consider what's the underlying cause of this. Yeah, and I'm not sure I could pinpoint the underlying cause. I don't know if it was boredom, a little bit of depression, or what. But but here's what I do know. I, I can tell you I got out of it. I started focusing on non-work stuff. And so uh, for the first time in a long time, you know, I started reading novels. Mm. And for whatever reason, you know, just having a bigger sense of story and focusing on somebody else's story instead of so focused on my own was really helpful. Yeah. And I got more focused on hobbies and things outside of work and that helped. But I I think honestly I was probably suffering from some burnout. And I, and I think that we need to be careful about those sort of periodic things that are going to happen to all of us because we have seasons. And somehow deducing there's something wrong with us or something that takes a dramatic fixing and Caitlin's not doing this. She's just asking the question, which is terrific, but it might just be a symptom of burnout. You know, yeah. it, could, it could be that, you know, some, I think sometimes, you know, when you hit a plateau, I've been watching this show on Apple plus TV called for all mankind. It's really, it's really cool. So it's, it's like, you know, the Soviet U S uh, space race, but in this particular case, the Russians beat the U S to the moon. Ah, interesting. And so then they go on to colonize and a lot of, a lot of different things happen because, you know, everything's related to everything else. And if you create one little wrinkle in the system, it has this domino effect on everything else. But there's this one particular astronaut named Gordo. And he reminded me of, I think it's Buzz Aldrin, 
that, you know, after he came back from space, he could never find his mojo again. Right. You know, and this is where Gordo's at. You know, he's been to space. He comes back. He has a drinking problem. He goes through a divorce. You know, all the things. Hmm. And he's depressed. You know, he's really depressed because, you know, he, he hit this big goal and then he didn't follow it up with some other goal. And that may be the situation that Caitlin's in, too. It sounds like she's had, you know, a pretty terrific four-year ride and maybe she's achieved some things and maybe she, and now she just hasn't gotten refocused on a goal. And so she's just kind of drifting. Well, you know what this reminds me of, and this is fresh on my mind because uh, I just read last week uh, my half of our new book, When It Work and Succeed at Life. And this is not intended to be a plug for the book. Don't worry. That will come later. Um, But but we don't mind doing that. (laughs) We don't mind doing it. Um, But this book is all about how do you win at work and succeed at life, really our understanding of success. And in the book, we talk a lot about the idea of non-achievement and the value of non-achievement time. You know, if you're a high achiever, you probably spend most of your time thinking about achievement time. How do you accomplish goals? How do you, uh, you know, improve your success? How do you increase your results? All that kind of stuff. And what the performance science would say is that non-achievement time is as valuable for performance as well as the uh, as your well-being as for your fulfillment in life as achievement time. Things like hobbies, hobbies. What? I know. Like how many people? Well. You may be in a different season of life. I know you're in a different season of life, obviously. I mean, you may have people in your life who have hobbies. I don't have a lot of friends with hobbies at my season of life, right? Like, you know, for most of us, our hobbies are raising our kids or just kind of like trying to keep up with everything. And what that means is that we really only have one source of fulfillment. We only have one place where our creative uh, kind of our creativity is really engaged. And then we find ourselves burnout, drained. We don't have that ability to have wandering thoughts. We don't have mental rejuvenation. We don't have input from um, unrelated sources that ultimately shows up in our professional lives as well. So I feel like Caitlin has this intuition in her question that this may be an issue of neglect. That's not her word. That's our word around the other domains of her life outside of the vocational one. Yeah. And probably at her age with what I presume are young children based Mm -hmm. on her letter, you know, there's probably not a lot she can do in terms of hobbies, but there's there's something she could do. You know, something you just do just for yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, Megan, you're you're kind of at that age. I mean, you're kind of at every season because you've got kids. You know, <laughs> we have children ages 20 to two, so we really have the full spectrum. You do. So, so what would you say would be what are your hobbies? Yeah. Well, a couple of things. So first of all, I love being outside and normally my hobby around that would either be walking or running. So I like moving outside. I mean, my uh, worst case scenario would be that you put me on a treadmill, you know, just just kill me like that's awful. I want to be outside in nature. I don't care if it's cold. Not so so excited about if it's hot, Um, but I, I love to be outside. And when I am out there. It's like my mind clears, my body relaxes. I always have ideas for things. Um, I actually usually find I'm, you know, 10 to 15 minutes into a run and I'm calling someone or I'm like leaving myself voice memos about some idea I had. It's just like things break loose in a good way when I'm out there. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing I love is fishing. So this is something that you and I share in common that um, your dad, my granddad really t- 
taught when I was uh, little, you know, taught me how to fish. And then you and I fished together a bunch. And fly fishing is my favorite version of that. That's also the hardest and the most truly a hobby because it requires some effort. Um, don't get to do that nearly as often as I would like. But then um, our family has a lake house. And so we go out there on the weekends often. And I mean, I just love to stand on the, the dock and fish. You like to go out on your kayaks and fish, you know, but um, I love that to me, just like being on the water is so restorative. And then I have a new hobby that I'm taking up actually this month is one of my annual goals, which is playing the piano. Something I did as what? a kid. I you know. Never told, you never told me that. I know. I haven't started yet. I've, I've like figured out what I'm going to do. I'm going to do an online class that's actually engineered for busy working moms, like how this is a niche. I don't know, but it's amazing. I'm like, well, I'm your target market. Um, but I'm really excited about that because I think there's so many benefits of learning something new, being a beginner again, and just the kind of creative expression of playing the piano. So that's going to be my new hobby for this year. And, you know, to your point, dad, I mean, I have five kids, I'm running a business. I don't have a lot of spare time for hobbies. It's not like I'm doing a hobby two hours a day, you know, um, this is probably happening in, you know, an hour or two hours a week, um, at most, and just kind of in the margins when I can fit it in when the baby's napping or whatever. So this is very realistic. Well, what I noticed when you started talking about that, you, you didn't, I didn't see it because we're looking at each other on video as we're recording this. I didn't see it when you were talking about walking outside so much, but uh-huh. when you got to the piano, you just kind of lit up. Yeah. And I think that part of what a hobby does is it gives us an opportunity to create in sort of a free, safe space. Right. You know, it's not our work. There's not the pressure to create. You know, your your livelihood is not going to be dependent upon how well you uh, play mm-hmm. the piano or don't play the piano. And I love that too. I mean, I love musical instruments for for the same reasons. So, yeah, I, I think the other thing too, just, you know, in sort of in the spirit of continuing to comment on what Caitlin said, I think the other thing and the thing that I learned from Gordo in For All Mankind and from Buzz Aldrin, if I'm remembering the right astronaut that struggled after he walked on the moon, is that um, a, lot, a lot of times we struggle because we don't come up with new goals. Yeah. And and I can get that there's goal fatigue. So after you accomplish something big, you know, don't put yourself under the pressure of, oh, I got to immediately come up with something. Celebrate, rest, rejuvenate, do all that. But eventually you've got to get a new goal because it wasn't that Buzz Aldrin or Gordo, it wasn't that there was something wrong with achieving a big goal. I mean, I don't know how you could achieve a bigger goal than walking on the moon. (laughs) That's unbelievable. Only nine Americans in history have ever done that. Wow. But the problem was that Gordo and Buzz didn't get a new goal. And if there's anything we know from the science of happiness, and yes, it is a science, is that happiness doesn't come from achieving the goal. We all know that if we think about it. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever it is that's a big goal, like Megan, when you were made CEO of Michael Hyatt and Company, you know, mm-hmm. that's a, that's like a huge career milestone. Right. But my guess is that, you know, because you're very emotionally intelligent and healthy, you probably are like, eh, you know, not that not that big a deal. You probably celebrated. Yeah. But but what's really exciting is when you're making progress toward a goal yes. that means something to you. Right. Right? Well, Has that been your experience? Totally. And I, I think that this is um, where life planning comes in handy. And yes. I think a lot of times, I mean, Kate, Caitlin talking about being 35 is an interesting time of life because for a lot of people, and certainly not everybody, and this isn't everybody's path, but for a lot of people by that point, they're married, they have young kids, they kind of have their career somewhat figured out, you know? And a lot of that is sort of like culturally pre-programmed. You know, it's it's not like 
when you were 25, you maybe made a whole vision for your life and it just kind of all came to fruition, just like you planned it. You know, in some ways, many of us can kind of drift into all those things have happened. And then it's sort of you wake up one day and you're like, now what? You know, like maybe it's not as meaningful as I thought it would be, or maybe there's other stuff inside of me that's outside of these kind of culturally pre-programmed expectations that I want to pursue. And that's where I think life planning can be so valuable because in the process of life planning, which if you're looking for a resource, dad, your book living forward that you wrote with your um, great friend, Daniel Harkavy is, is really like the, the process walking you through that entire process of creating your life plan. But you're looking at all 10 of the life domains, which uh, of which vocation is only one. And we talk about this a little bit in our, when it work and succeed at life book that, you know, we, we really need to have a vision for our lives. That is not just where we want to go in our career. What do you want for your financial life, for your most important relationships, you know, your parenting, your marriage or your partnership, what about uh, in terms of your hobbies? What about in terms of your spiritual life? And all of a sudden, when you begin pursuing things that are in the other domains of your life with intention, with vision, then your life kind of opens up. You know, the, the you don't just have one outlet for meaning or maybe, you know, two or three if you count your kids and, and your spouse. Like you have many outlets for meaning in your life and significance. And I feel like that that is one of the best ways to look at this is that you need, you need a vision for the entirety of your life. And if your vision, or you feel like at, at work, you don't have any vision, maybe it's time to, to go in and think outside the box and maybe dream a little bit bigger. And I was noticing that in uh, Caitlin's letter, she said, I want more wonder and whimsy impact and long conversations about where God is working, adventures with my kids and more romance with my husband. And I'd like to open a wine bar with friends and all that stuff. Well, here's the thing. Any of that can happen. Yeah. But all of it has to be caused. Right. You know, you just you just can't sort of sit back and hope that it happens. And I'm I'm just give you an example. I mean, you know, I've, I'm constantly wanting to stretch myself in terms of learning. Mm-hmm. you know, or in terms of seeing new places. And one of the things that I think that was a little bit depressing to me this last year is we couldn't travel anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And I, like, I'm like I'm not the kind of person that has to be on the road constantly. I'm not a road warrior, Mm-mm. but I do enjoy going places. And so I literally haven't been on an airplane in over a year. And I'm going to get on an airplane for the first time here in a couple of weeks. We're going to Mexico for a, for a vacation. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to that because I think there's going to be some you know, wonder and whimsy there. Because again, I'm causing it, I'm creating it. Now, look, I know I'm speaking from a position, I'm mindful more so than ever when I think of this, you know, that I've I've got the means to do that. I've got the time to do that. It's going to look different for Caitlin, right? But it doesn't mean that she can't find it mm-hmm. within the constraints of her own life. Yeah. I find for me, what feeds my spirit is learning. Yeah. Feeling like I'm, I'm growing. And Right now, Megan, as you know, I'm in the I'm in the middle of some medical stuff where I've I've got a new doctor and he's really working on my nutrition and stuff. And the thing that I've enjoyed more than anything is just learning what I'm learning. You know, that that just jazzes me up to feel like I've I'm gaining some mastery and I can converse and talk and mm-hmm. you know, learn about this stuff. You know what I was thinking of when you were talking, it reminded me, and I don't know if this originates with him, of Tony Robbins talking about the basic human need for certainty and uncertainty. Yes. Six basic human needs. Yeah. So he has that concept, which is really powerful. And 
this idea of certainty and uncertainty. When I think about 2020, we had, he, he doesn't talk about this that I remember, but there's almost like good uncertainty and bad uncertainty. So like bad uncertainty is, am I going to die from COVID-19? And good uncertainty would be, what's it going to be like to visit a new country for the first time and eat food that I've never had before, you know? Um, and so I'm thinking about this with regard to 2020. We had a lot of negative uncertainty. We had very little uncertainty that was positive, like variety, like new experiences, learning, going places, meeting different people. You know, we had, it was a more closed experience of being a person than ever before. And, and as a result, we had just so much certainty. I mean, every day you woke up and did exactly the same thing. You couldn't tell if Sunday was any different than Monday or Wednesday. It was like, they all just bled together. Your view was out your windows of your house every day. Right. And I think that may be part of what's going on, both in your experience of depression that you mentioned, kind of following 2020, and also in Caitlin's experience, it sounds like she doesn't have a lot of variety going on. She doesn't have a lot of uncertainty in a positive sense. She has a lot of certainty, and all of it's good, and she just needs like a little pizzazz. She needs some uncertainty, which is where creating a vision, creating intentionally this gap between where you are today and where you know you're capable of going in these other domains of your life, including things like travel and, you know, romance with your husband and, you know, starting a new business, like all of those things create uncertainty and variety in the best sense and give color and flavor to your life. I need a little bit more creativity and maybe that's what Caitlin needs. Yeah. She needs to kind of, you know, take a step back and say, okay, what can I do different? I know, I know for you, Megan, for your exercise program. And, and mm-hmm. I'm the kind of guy, unlike you, that I can get on the treadmill and just <laughs> put on some headphones and just do that and get the result. And I don't care about the process. Right. But like you signed up for a tough mutter. I did. I'm so excited. So first of all, I get variety in my workout because the trainer that you and I use, who we work with virtually, creates new programs for us, you know, about every four to six weeks, we kind of get some new exercises. And like I do regular strength training on Mondays, and I do a circuit on Wednesdays. And then on Fridays, I do a TRX, which is a little apparatus that hangs from the ceiling, you know, so it's kind of different those days. And then when I run, I have like different things I do when I run that are, you know, variety of things to keep my cardiovascular capacity increasing. But this Tough Mudder is happening in the fall. And I got to learn how to do all kinds of stuff. I mean, I got to crawl over stuff. I got to crawl under stuff. I got to hang from stuff. I got to swing from stuff. I mean, it's it's just nuts. I'll, and also I'll be covered in mud, which I'm pretty sure I haven't been covered in mud since I was probably about three. So, you know, there's that. Um, but, but that's a great way to just spice it up, you know, to do something totally different in an area where, gosh, you can have a lot of monotony around exercise and really lose your passion for it. Suddenly something out of, out of left field like that ups the variety factor, ups the unpredictability factor. Well, here's another thing that that I notice when you're doing that, that is kind of also the answer to Caitlin's situation. You got to constantly be putting yourself in situations where you're stretched, where you're outside right. of your comfort zone. Right. And that's something we talk a lot about. But, you know, it doesn't have to be in every area at once. But, you know, maybe there's a project at work that, that she has could take on, but it kind of scares her. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of project you're looking for. Yep. Something that's a little bit outside your comfort zone that requires something of you that maybe you, you wonder if you've got what it takes or you're afraid or you're doubtful or whatever, but look for those kinds of emotions and take it on. Maybe there's something she could volunteer for 
at work that she's never done before. You know, whether it's, you know, public speaking or making a proposal or a presentation, I, I don't know what it would look like, but, but Caitlin probably does. If you settle for competency, then you really never have the opportunity to move into mastery. And mastery requires that you keep growing your ability. You keep uh, striving for that next level. And there's always the next level. I love that. And I, I feel like we could probably go back and entitle this episode something about complacency, you know, because I think that's really what we're talking about is that, you know, she used the word coast. But the truth is probably all of us feel complacent, just sort of like we're not going anywhere. We're just sort of idling at this place that we've been at for years. Maybe that's your health. Maybe that's your marriage. Maybe that's in your spiritual life. Maybe that's with hobbies, you know, maybe that's financially where there's just like nothing new is happening and you just sort of feel like you're stagnant. You're really asking the question, how do I break through to something higher and better there? And I feel like what we've talked about is vision is a big part of that. Asking the question around how do I add more variety is part of that. And then intentionally pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. You know, yeah. you, you always talk about fear, uncertainty, and doubt as being the emotions that show up when we're out of our comfort zone. And I think that's what we're looking for here, you know, but it really starts with having a vision and then getting creative. Can I um, throw an idea at you two and see if it mm -hmm. makes sense to yeah. you as a concept? So there's this show called Community. It's one of my favorite TV shows and it doesn't matter how they get there. But at one point they introduced this concept that is room temperature, temperature. So they're, they're doing this air conditioner repair thing and they go, they show his character to a room and he goes, what do you feel? Feel that? Actually, I don't feel... Precisely. Have you heard the expression room temperature? Of course. This is the room. This is the room temperature room. I can't tell where the air ends and my skin begins. <laughs> and I've had this experience once on a Santa Monica Pier, actually. But there is something, it feel, it reminded me a little bit of Caitlin because it seems like she's gotten to this point that she had wanted to get to. But the moment you get there, it's, there is an element of, it's, it's a little freaky, right? You're there and yeah. you're kind of, it's all good, but you're going, I don't know where I am anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know what this is. I don't know what's coming next because all I've been doing is building towards something. And I don't know if, if perhaps it's just acknowledging that like, perhaps it's fine. Like... <laughs> There's a part yeah. of this where you go, maybe you're just not used to being fine. <laughs> is that, well, is that, that's a good point. Does that yeah. resonate with anybody? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah no, it, it, it does. I mean, there are, there are some people that get so addicted to drama because the drama helps them know that they're alive. Well, sure. Or just the, or just the, or the adrenaline rush. Yeah. Or just the, like, I'm fighting for this and she's done all the work and now she got to this place and, uh. I don't know. She doesn't know where her body ends and the room begins. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I like that. Yeah. Well, I, I, I would say just, you know, first of all, just enjoy it for a little bit. You know, I, I can say as an Enneagram three myself, that it's real easy to kind of, to, to want to go from one achievement to another. And if you don't think you're achieving, you're not alive. You know, you don't, you don't have any value. That may be an Enneagram three thing that's in play here. And I can certainly relate to that. And I think that part of our work as Enneagram threes is to find value in non-achievement and to find our identity in who we are and who we're related to. And I don't mean by relationships, but I mean just, just the quality of our relationships as opposed to the things we accomplish. 
One other thing about the Enneagram three is that you said you're a wing four, which means, you know, that's the personality trait that's adjacent to your dominant one, which is a three as an achiever. So the Enneagram four is the artist. And so Megan, you're, you're an Enneagram four. I have a four wing myself. So Caitlin and I are exactly the same, or, you know, maybe not in the details, but we can certainly relate to each other. But the thing I would say is lean into that Enneagram four, you know, tap into that artistic side of you, that creative side of you. And how can you give expression to that? And maybe, maybe you're doing all the achieving, but you're not getting the satisfaction of creating or giving vent to that, you know, that artistic part of you. And I would just encourage you to do that as well. Okay, Caitlin, I hope that was helpful. That's kind of our best thinking. It was sort of random association here, but, um, but yeah, I, I think you're totally normal. You know, this is nothing that uh, should concern you, but it's just something that all of us have to deal with from time to time. Megan, do you have any final thoughts? Well, I just think that, uh, first of all, as we said at the beginning, number one, Caitlin's doing awesome professionally, and we're really proud of what she's accomplished. Mm -hmm. But there's always room for improvement, especially when you look at the other areas of your life. And I think for you who are listening, you may not feel complacent or like you're coasting professionally, but maybe you do feel like that in some other area of your life. And I think the things we've talked about today are really relevant regardless of what the specific application is. We're all going to feel like that. I certainly have in other parts of my life. And the good news is there are simple ways that you can really um, take charge and be intentional about these other domains of your life and have a profound and meaningful impact in your life as a whole. Let me just say that we have a resource if you're wondering how you're doing in these various domains of life and you want a little bit more of a rigorous or thorough self-assessment so you can see where you still have room to grow, I want to encourage you to take our life score assessment. You can find that at bestyoureverme forward slash life score, and this will give you a chance to self-assess against the 10 domains of life and, you know, certainly see where you're strong, where you can celebrate that, but see the domains where you need some work. And that might bring the challenge back and give you the variety that you need. Well, guys, thanks so much for joining us today. Hope that you enjoyed our off-the-cuff thoughts on Caitlin's situation. Um, also, we would love to know whether you did like it. And if you have a situation maybe kind of like this that you would love our input on, we're considering some possibilities for the future. And so if you would like to let us know, hey, I really like that, or Ugh, I don't like it. And maybe if you have something you'd like us to talk about, let us know. You can just email us at feedback at michaelhyatt.com. Until next week, lead to win. This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Michael and Megan's newest book, Win at Work and Succeed at Life. Enjoy Michael and Megan exploring what it takes to achieve the double win while they recount stories that bring joy and some stories that sting, all while laying out how you can win at work and succeed at life. Pre-order your copy today at winandsucceedbook.com. That's winandsucceedbook.com.